0: how health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing. There's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. All right, so we have got an expert in the house, everybody. Dr. Caroline Lewis, MD. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm around royalty right now. <laughs> I, I'm excited to talk about all things gut. But for people who yeah. are like, hmm, what is she all about? And what is a naturopath? Can you? Can we just start there? Can we just like start with the real big basics?
1: Basically, a naturopathic doctor is uh, licensed and medically trained. So we learn all the same sort of ways to diagnose medical conditions. We just sort of differ from MDs in how we treat and our approach to treatment. And that really stems from sort of treating the whole person and also getting to the root cause of what's causing their symptoms instead of sort of suppressing things. So we really look at Everything in their lifestyle, you know, when certain things in their life happened. And we go over, you know, all their health concerns rather than just, you know, one health concern because everything ends up being, you know, related and creating their whole sort of health picture of where people are today. Um, And then in terms of sort of the treatment modalities, there's lots of different things that we can use for sure, diet and lifestyle recommendations, which is usually where I like to sort of start. With patients because it's the most simple thing. It's the easiest thing to change. It's accessible. Um, it's least expensive. And then, sort of, you know, going up from there, supplement support and um, using sort of herbal medicine, acupuncture and cupping, um, and then sort, sort of more energetic therapies, too. So that's kind of the 411 on what naturopathic medicine is and what NDs do.
0: I have never worked with an ND before, and I can't believe I'm even saying it out loud because I feel like I should have at this point because hearing you talk about it, immediately I'm drawn to just the holistic approach and also kind of taking in the person as an entire human being rather than just laser focusing on whatever the pain point might be or the area of concern because as you know, with your practice, and I think what we all know, like for anyone listening, like things are interconnected. Like you can't change one thing in your life without feeling the ripple effects into other areas. And that's the same thing when it comes to taking care of your health. Like as soon as you start making slightly healthier choices, it starts to have all these awesome positive ripple effects everywhere else. And same thing with like the destructive side of things. And so I think that's really cool that NDs take that holistic approach, look at the entire person. And even just hearing you talk about how you start with lifestyle and diet changes, like that's awesome because in traditional medicine, you go in with an issue, you get prescribed some type of medication and that's cool. There's a time and a place for that, but my goodness, if there's a way that we can kind of hone in our lifestyle and our diet so that we don't have to go on medication and still like reap the benefits and not have to deal with the side effects or the potential complications with supplements, like that's like to me, that feels like a, a more preventative way to go about issues and health concerns. Exactly. and that's such a
1: big part of naturopathic medicine too in terms of you know preventative medicine and preventing things from happening. So you know, it doesn't matter if you don't necessarily have a health concern right now. It's all about preventing ones from occurring and just sort of living the best life that you can and the healthiest that you can be.
0: Oh, well, I mean, you're, you're at the right place. The healthiest hot podcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. I want to, I want to virtually celebrate you. I was creeping your social and you hit oh, a pretty big milestone uh, a little while ago, one year as a practicing ND talk about, you. um, talk about a first year, just like in the middle of a global pandemic, like probably yeah. not what you had envisioned. no. But how are you holding up? I mean, I I imagine it's a lot of schooling, a lot of studying. You get all excited. you got this plan for when you graduate, start working with clients, and then boom, lockdown.
1: Yeah, it definitely was not anything like what I expected (laughs) for the first year to go. Um, Luckily, I sort of started practicing a few months, just a few months before lockdown hit. Um, So I sort of got, you know, a bit of a vibe. Going, um, but definitely wasn't like fully set up or anything and was just getting used to it. And I feel like in your first year, too, is a lot of when you actually gain that experience and knowledge. It's, you know, it's when you're putting into practice what you've learned. So there's so many new things. You're also learning how to build a business and market yourself and put together a practice, which we don't learn in medical school. So it's a lot of overwhelming stuff. So yeah, being, you know, hit with the pandemic sort of a few months in was definitely unexpected. Um, but I feel like it's given me a lot of different opportunities that I've tried to take advantage of. So, you know, definitely from the virtual side of things, I think that's opened a lot of doors in terms of being able to treat more patients who, you know, are still in Ontario. Um, so there's that sense. It's easier to work from home. Um, so that's definitely made it, I guess different and something I think I want to integrate into my practice going forward. I think I do like that virtual aspect as well as in person, but it's nice to have that option. Um, but yeah, it was definitely tricky the first couple of months because, you know, initially naturopaths couldn't work at, at all. So I think it was for a month or so that we just couldn't do anything, trying to come up with ways that we could still, you know, bring in business. But um, I think I definitely learned a lot and I'm and mm. stronger because of because of it.
0: Yeah. You're fucking gritty and resilient. Like anyone who's gotten through the last year and is like still kind of holding it somewhat together. Like you're doing all right. Like you get a. I've had start. my days. I've had my days. Haven't we all? Yeah. There was a period. I'll be honest. There's a period where I did not leave the house. Yeah. I don't even think I was showering. There was a point like, there. you know, like there was a low point, but like we're here, you know, like we got on the other side. And so exactly. like, if you're in that low point now, just know you will get through it. Just like yeah. lean on your support system, get some help if you yeah, need to. So like important. Let's just keep pushing forward. Um, You know, speaking of pushing forward and kind of doing this while there's a global pandemic and, and adjusting and pivoting as you go, how have you seen patients prioritize their health, level up their health, even during a very difficult year? Because I do think that when we are pushed to the brink, we are we're pushed to the limits that's when we need to pay extra attention to how we're feeling both physically, but also with regards to our mental health.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, at first, the first few months of lockdown, there was a huge drop in business, I would say, because I think people were freaked out. They didn't want to spend extra money. Um, So there was definitely a big drop that I noticed. And then, you know, a couple months in, it started really picking up. um, And I noticed sort of a steady pattern of a lot more mental health cases. So even if it wasn't, I mean, I find this with most of my patients anyways, but even if it's not their biggest concern or what they come in for, it can sometimes be what we end up talking about for most of the visit.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So that was a huge sort of shift that I noticed. Um, And then I would say more recently, a lot more patients have, you know, just been saying, I need to take control of my health. It's gone so downhill with just being at home all the time. My eating habits have changed and, you know, the extra stress, especially, you know, with parents being at home and taking care and helping school the kids. So there's all of that. So there's definitely been a lot of factors I think to it, but I think it's great that it's given people the chance to be proactive and maybe Mm -hmm. a little nudge to act on things that, you know, they could have a while ago. Um, but that they're taking those steps now, I think is, is really
0: important. What are some simple, you know, tips and actions items that people can start integrating today to at least start kind of getting the ball rolling?
1: Yeah. Well, so from a mental health perspective, this is something I talk to every single patient about, but even just starting with one self-care practice per day And even if it's two minutes, I'm sure that everyone can take two minutes from their day, but to take those two minutes and do something for yourself that makes you feel good. So, you know, whether that's getting some fresh air, FaceTiming with a friend or family member, um, or if you have more time, you can do things like reading a book or taking a bath, putting a face mask on, like literally anything that makes you feel good, but making that a priority in your day. And, you know, it can be the same time every day, it can be the same thing every day, it could be something different or at different times, but that's, you know, an easy first kind of step. And it takes, you know, two minutes, ideally longer, but I'm sure everyone can find that time to start with that. Um, And that's, you know, at least one way to start taking better care of yourself. Mm.
0: What does Um, self care look like for you?
1: For me, well, lately, I would say I switch it up a lot, but lately, um, definitely my skincare routine. <laughs> so I do like cosmetic acupuncture to myself and then I do the gua sha and the facial cupping. So that's like my me time, which I love.
0: Oh, my, my mind just went poof, poof.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty convenient that I know how to do it on myself.
0: So. <laughs> do you find doing that to yourself?
1: No, I don't get scared at all. I love it.
0: Well, I mean, hey, look, if you could do it on yourself, then you, you can do it on someone else because you know exactly what it feels oh, like. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that helps too, you know, when I do do it with patients because I'm like, oh, I know how
0: this feels. <laughs> so on your, so let's see, okay, I need to know more about everything you do on yourself and like <laughs> yeah. why the rest of us should maybe be like a little bit intrigued.
1: Uh, yeah. So basically cosmetic acupuncture, I won't say it's an alternative to Botox. It's probably like the natural alternative to Botox, but basically it helps to sort of stimulate collagen production, increase circulation in the face, reduce fine lines. It can help to like firm and tighten our face muscles.
0: Sign me up.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know why more people aren't tapping into it, um, and it's something I offer in practice too. Um, and then yeah, I usually combine that with gua sha and cupping, which helps to drain the lymph. From the face and again sort of boost circulation as well and remove any sort of blockages so it's so good for affirming toning preventing wrinkles so i, I mean love
0: it. i feel like this year i i've i now have gray hair no joke did not have gray oh hair i i'm this getting them now too I, it's the stress <laughs> and yeah i'm I, I messaged my hairdresser and i was like what the fuck man like i did not have not that there's a lot but there's like three and And I see them and they shine. Oh, I know. I've
1: said that to people, too. And they're like, oh, no, we can't see them. But I think, you know, we're always critical of ourselves. So we we can always kind of tell those things. But,
0: you know, well, I I appreciate your form of self-care. So you heard it here. It can be two minutes of you breathing outside with some fresh air or the ultimate, which is basically like a spa (laughs) day at home done by
1: you. I wouldn't recommend trying acupuncture on yourself <laughs> not, if don't, you don't know how to do it, uh, but you can book in with me and I can do it for you.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Clearly one of us is a health professional. The other one is not. I'm very intrigued though. So uh, when you were kind of growing up doing your thing at school, how did you end up doing this? Like how did your heart and passion lead you where you are today? So, yeah, it's kind of um, an
1: interesting story. So when I was a teenager, I actually got diagnosed with IBD. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, that's, was inflam- say, was like- yeah, so it's inflammatory bowel disease. So that's okay. Crohn's disease and colitis. Um, and when I was diagnosed at that age, it was pretty new at that time. There was no such thing as like gluten-free, dairy-free or anything like that. No one had any idea what it was. I didn't know what it was, um, So from a really young age, I just basically went on a whole foods, really simple diet, drank lots of water when all my friends were like eating pizza and drinking pop, which sucked at the time. Um, But I physically felt the amazing sort of benefits from it. I felt so good. Um, And my gut improved so much. And so it kind of just became my lifestyle from such a young age. Um, And that sort of inspiration and passion about gut health, I guess, was always there. Um, But I also noticed from a young age, too, the impact of stress on my gut health. I was i used to be and i still am to some degree sort of a type a perfectionist very hard on myself and so i would internalize a lot of my stress and that would trigger my gut symptoms and so i was always sort of interested in that connection between you know our mind and our gut um, so actually after my undergrad degree i did a master's in neuroscience um, and just learned all about the brain <laughs> and how it works which i loved Um, And then a year later, I went into naturopathic medical school, um, because I knew I, you know, wanted to sort of connect the dots, but also, you know, learn more and and be a practitioner in terms of being able to help others with their gut health and their mental health too. That's kind of how I got into all this. (laughs)
0: I love the personal connection because you you know firsthand kind of what it's like to have an unhealthy gut and to have something Mm -hmm. affecting you and just the power of eating healthy whole foods and kind of just going back to basics like eating clean hydrating moderating stress taking care of yourself um and i kind of i'm obsessed with the fact that you you love neuros so much i definitely did not do a master's or even a Bachelors (laughs) Bachelor's <laughs> neuro, but i did a bsc at mcgill and neuro Amazing. was like my favorite favorite kind of world oh my god i
1: love that that's awesome um
0: and in you know it's interesting that you had such a passion for neuroscience because when it comes to your gut like there's there's a nervous system down there like there's a yes. nervous system like yeah exactly. and i feel like there's i mean you can let me know but the there there's so much research happening right now on gut health yes. and the way that The health of our gut can affect so much more than just how we feel inside our stomachs like yes bloating yes constipation or diarrhea of course like that's going to be affected but really the impact and the reach of the health of your gut is so much further oh so much
1: further and i think you know it is so great that the you know gut brain access is being highlighted a lot more too but you know i think a lot of people don't know is that our brain sends signals to the gut but our gut also sends signals to our brain And so that can have huge effects on, you know, our whole body system. Um, So our gut really is so powerful. Even the different types of strains in our gut microbiome can talk to our brain and that can lead to changes in our mood and, and hormones and neurotransmitters. Our gut makes a lot of neurotransmitters. So, you know, they really are so linked and even, you know, that link with our skin too. the brain is kind of the middleman in terms of how our gut can communicate with it. So it's crazy, the connection. So
0: we need to give a shit literally about our gut health. Yes. It's like
1: always the best place to start because it pretty much affects everything in your body.
0: This world though, just the microbiome world is I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, firsthand, but if, for me, like you Google it, there's just, there's so much that comes out. Oh, yeah. like, oh yeah. I, it's so like, oh, it's so overwhelming. And so, you know, for anyone who's like me, who was like curious about like the ins and outs, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't even know what the, like, the foundational information is that I can kind of take in process and then make actionable decisions throughout my, my day to support gut health. Like I just know that there's like lots of supplements. Like you should like take this, take that, take this and that. I'm like, well, no, before I take anything, I need to understand what is happening here.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that is so important too, especially before people jump to different probiotics or supplements or even dietary changes to actually understand why they're doing them. And I think Mm -hmm. that's also why it's so important to talk to an ND or another health professional about it because everyone's microbiome is different yeah. So no one is the same, and everyone has you know unique gut symptoms and history with that. So you know one size doesn't fit all in terms of this. <laughs> um, but basically, in terms sort of generally in terms of our microbiome, um, basically trillions of microorganisms live in our gut. They're mostly bacteria, um, and some of them are. Can be helpful to us. Some of them, at certain levels, have no harm to us. But if they are raised, then then they can become harmful. Um, so really, we want to keep the microbiome in as much balance as we can. Because when any of those sort of good or bad bacteria shift out of balance, that's when you'll start seeing gut symptoms and having issues. So that can affect the sort of permeability of our gut lining or cause leaky gut, which you probably heard of. And that's when things like, um, like food particles and toxins and stuff can cross the gut barrier into the bloodstream. Um, So we don't want that. Um, But it can also, of course, cause, you know, things like constipation, diarrhea, the gut symptoms that no one wants to deal with. Mm. Um, No. So it's really important to, you know, support it as best we can. But, you know, it also comes down to specific probiotic strains that you're using specific dosing. Um, In terms of diet, though, there's definitely a lot that you can do just by the types of foods that you eat. So for example, we were talking about, you know, prebiotics and, and probiotic foods and stuff. And, prebiotics are basically what feed good bacteria or probiotics. And so examples of prebiotics that you can sort of incorporate into your diet are usually things that are like higher in fiber. So lots of veggies, but also things like, um, garlic, onion, leeks, um, jacama, chicory root, asparagus, um, unripe banana, So there are some prebiotics and then probiotics are in most sort of like fermented foods. So you'll see them in like cultured yogurts, but also um, things like pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, some of that stuff. So those are some ways that you can Mm -hmm. sort of incorporate that into your diet. Um, But fiber is usually a good a good call for your gut, I would say, as long as you can
0: tolerate it. Yeah. So if you can tolerate it, just eat your vegetables. Yes. Eat some real whole foods. Yeah, everything needs to come out of the freezer or a box.
1: No, no. And I think, you know, the variety of foods that we eat is so important too, because that can affect the different strains in our microbiome. It can also affect, you know, how sensitive we may be to certain foods. So if we're eating the same meals every day, That can sort of, you know, put us more at risk for food sensitivities because our gut immune system is just constantly exposed to the same things. But, you know, if you switch it up, I know it's easy to sort of meal prep the same things for every day for the week, but just switch up the things that you're eating each week. So meal prep different things for the next week. And then you you get that variety in your diet and you're, you know, supporting your microbiome and good gut health too. So those are some dietary tips.
0: I love it. I love it. I feel like it, you can nerd out so hardcore. Oh, so hardcore. Like, I, I hope I'm
1: like not being too nerdy now.
0: No, <laughs> I love it. You're talking gut permeability, throwing out neurotransmitters. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Um, no, it's, it's really, it's quite fascinating too, especially because I mean, when you were growing up and you were diagnosed with IBD, like right. you mentioned, like gluten-free, just like, wasn't a thing. And then yeah. gluten-free just became a thing that everyone was doing and everyone was like, I can't have gluten. And so I'm curious, like, what's the difference between a food sensitivity and an actual food intolerance or maybe food allergy is the right word. I don't even know,
1: you know, like, yeah. So a food allergy is completely different. It's like mediated by different immune molecules and it will cause, you know, like a lasting reaction over mm-hmm. usually, years or your life. Um, Whereas a food sensitivity is mediated by different immune molecules in the gut. And that's something that doesn't trigger as sort of severe of a reaction. Um, Definitely sort of a different reaction compared to something like anaphylactic Mm -hmm. shock. Um, But it's also something that's not necessarily permanent. Um, So for example, you know, I see with so many patients they can have a ton of food sensitivities, but that's not really the root cause of their gut issues. And usually the root cause is something to do with an imbalance in their microbiome. And once that's dealt with, and the inflammation is healed, and we, you know, do our protocol, then they're able to eat the foods that they were previously sensitive to. So it's not a life sentence by any means, but just things that you may want to avoid while we're dealing with healing the gut.
0: This is really exciting for me because I, for the most part, live a pretty healthy life. I definitely like a good 80-20 life. I feel like I've got to enjoy life. Which I fully support, yeah. Yeah, I'll go days just eating clean vegetables, whole foods, high fiber, and no joke, I will look six months pregnant, um, which is not super fun or (laughs) comfortable. Your clothes don't fit. um, And... And I struggle to figure out kind of what's going on. And I know that bloating is something that like, I'm obviously not the only person that struggles with this, but it's just something that sometimes just comes out of nowhere. And I'm just like, Oh, what is going on? And then I start to think, I'm like, Oh, maybe I have a food sensitivity. So like, I've got like a requisition form in my email to go get an IgG like test and, you know, to find out what's going on. But I'm wondering maybe if it's, you know, the root cause is not that maybe it is my microbiome. So you know, what what does one do if that's kind of what their are kind of their heads at and they don't really know what the next step is?
1: So one way to sort of kind of get that picture of what's happening in your microbiome is through more sort of functional medicine stool testing, which can be run by an ND or different health practitioners, but it really sort of shows where possible imbalances in the microbiome could be and it guides sort of what type of protocol to start with. So usually when we're sort of addressing any sort of imbalance like that, there is an aspect in terms of, you know, we need to kill off the, the bad bugs that are there. And obviously we do it naturally with herbal medicine. Um, so that's part of it. But then a big part of it too, is we need to heal the inflammation that is there that, you know, that this is caused. And, you know, if you are sensitive to certain foods, that's going to contribute to the inflammation if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, still eating them during that time. So usually I'd be like, okay, so for this period of time, while we're healing things, keep avoiding this. But once things are healed, and we rebalance everything, that's when we can start reintroducing the foods and seeing if you have a response. So we also kind of do that pretty structured in terms of how to reintroduce the foods and see if there's still a trigger or not. So wow. it's it's a process. Yeah. But you know in getting to the root cause, you're actually fixing the underlying issue and hopefully not dealing (laughs) with the bloating and all that, all those other nasty symptoms that we don't want, you know, when you eat pizza or something.
0: Yeah. And you get to poop in a container, everyone, and send it into a lab. Fun stuff. I don't know. I don't know if it's just like as I get older, I just get more and more curious. I'm like, I wanna understand what is happening in my body so that I can make informed decisions. Like if I make some shitty decisions, well then I will deal with the consequences. But I wanna know like if I make the right choices and I live healthy and eat quote unquote healthy foods, that I'm gonna feel energized and vibrant and be able to go about my life and do my thing. And so Yeah, lately, I've been really kind of getting more and more curious about the microbiome and just the way it affects, of course, our physical um, situation, but also our mood. Like that to me, too, is pretty wild. I'm like, what? It affects our mood? Yeah,
1: it's insane. Yeah. And even, you know, specific strains of bacteria in our gut can either, you know, boost our, you know, positive mood and our cognition, but a, a lot of strains are also, associated with increased anxiety and depression, or maybe even like lower levels of some of the good bacteria that support a healthy mind. If, if they're low, then you might suffer from some of those things too.
0: So. I feel like the biggest takeaway today is get curious about your gut and like treat your gut well. Yes. That
1: would be sort of my biggest health advice is to focus on, on your gut. I think that's the most important place to start and you can start doing that, you know, through diet and lifestyle today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And getting, you know, if, if working with an ND is something that is interesting to you, I believe, and again, I'm making an assumption here, so I might be finding <laughs> some false information, but it's, it's something that people can claim through their insurance, right? Like it's covered.
1: It is. Yeah. For most people. Yeah. So it's definitely something, you know, whenever I talk to friends too, and they're like, Oh yeah, I think I've covered I'm like, well, why wouldn't you use it? Like, why not? It's like, there's so much you can do with it even if you come in for you know acupuncture or facial acupuncture yeah. like you're still you're benefiting from something. So oh my gosh.
0: I, I need to, I'm one of those people that just forgets every year to use my benefits. I know. So not I know. this year, everyone. Um. Okay. Well, you're like just over one year in, like, I know this is probably very early to ask, but like, what would be your dream? You know, as you like look ahead into your career and the impact that you're going to make for people, like what are you hoping for to get out of this and to also just give to the world? Yeah. I mean, I definitely
1: want to keep, you know, helping people with, gut health for sure. And skin stuff, I think getting more into sort of the skin side of things, I'd love to eventually have, you know, some kind of product line, whether it's supplements or or something else and tap into that. And also sort of expand, I think online too, whether it's, you know, online programs or just, you know, more in the virtual space and collaborating with other practitioners, people, brands. Um, I think I'd, I'd really love that, but I think I like the, the trajectory of things so far.
0: I love it. Well, we just put it out into the universe. So now yes. it's just a matter of bringing <laughs> it to life. Um, this has been awesome. Super insightful. I feel like we might have to do a part two at some point and amazing. get, get a little bit deeper into yes, this world. Totally. But For anyone who's curious I'd to learn to. more to maybe work with you, where, where should they go check you out? Yes. So you can find
1: me on Instagram at health with care. Um, I'm also practicing in Toronto right now at well beyond, um, and I'm doing virtual and in-person consults.
0: So Amazing. cool. Well, we'll make sure to have all that information below in the description. This was awesome. I feel like I this need to go so give fun. my body a little bit of extra care, yes. um, health with care. I'm a big fan of that name. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Chloe, so much. It was so fun. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. Now, if you enjoyed this chat, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And of course, Healthy is Fucking Beautiful. We'll see you next week.